Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Dainer and Jay. It's Dainer and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Ground Pugging Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here. This is our intro before the intro, Jay, because what people will find out is we really got rolling on this show. And we were packing a lot of stuff in it, and the conversations were really good, and we we, we just we caught a heater, we got we caught a heater, and we said, you know what, that needs to be two shows because that was that that's a lot. We packed a lot in there, so you're going to hear us talk a little bit about uh, we're of course going to do a lot of rehashing uh, of the game and a lot of that stuff. But once we're gonna we're gonna take all our off season talk that's in here, we have a lot of off season talk that we get to, um, it's be part of a part two, part two that we're gonna have uh, up there tomorrow for you to come take. In. So, two parts for this one great podcast that we put together. That's our that's our disclaimer before we before we get going. Transition time. It is. You know, it is transition time. The season has ended after the uh, Bengals lose twenty three to twenty in the AC Championship game to the Chiefs, and you're still rehashing. People are still mad. Still posting clips of every potential missed call. <laughs> from Sunday in Arrowhead, of which there are many, and uh, while also bemoaning, con- we start contract season, trade rumor season, extension season. Oh, we've got it all in front of us here, Jay. Coaches leaving possibly season. That's right. So, There's- point being, a lot of ground to cover today. Mo Egger will join us here in a little bit. Bring him in a little bit earlier today to to hop into a little bit of the big picture of this season. Um, perfect time to chat with him. Um, we're going to go through some news. We're going to talk to you. Um, we're going to rehash the game a little bit. We're, we're going to try to have a rational conversation about officiating and we're going to talk about the real also the real issues at play at this game as well and then we want to dive into the offseason stuff we're going to talk a little bit about what we know about free agents about burrow um about potential trades cap casualties we're going to try to dive into that uh a little bit a, a sort of a a little bit of a quick snapshot, not full deep. We got plenty of time for that as we go into the off season, but a quick snapshot of where things stand, plus all of our normal segments that you expect at the end of the show. Um, the first of my three-part series uh, looking at the off season is up right now, looking at Burrow and free agents. You can check that out if you want to go into a little bit of a deeper look at a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Jay has a feature up on Jesse Bates. What a fascinating career he's had in Cincinnati. And he is, will now hit the free agent market. We'll also discuss him a little bit later, but go read that if you want a little bit more profile on him. Things that he's had to say over the last two days, which um, are really interesting. What an interesting story. Um, so check all that out. Quick news. Um, Coach Watch. We have uh, Brian Callahan getting his second interview in Indianapolis. Um, so he's amongst the second ring there getting closer to that job uh, with a, a number of others up against Jeff Saturday. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and then he is also having a first interview in Arizona this week, which has reset their coaching search, which also includes, maybe they'll be on the same flight, uh, Lou Anarumo, um, who will be interviewing with the Cardinals this year. Um, so interesting as the, you, you know, we see the Arizona search to me, Jay is, 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 they they have hi- they hired Monty Austin Fort, who was a GM in Tennessee, or excuse me, assistant GM in, T- in Tennessee, to be their new GM. They cleaned house, no Kingsbury, no Steve Kime. 
They're really resetting. They went after Peyton and Dan Quinn. It looks like neither of those worked out. And and now they're going back in. And that means Luana Romo, Brian Callahan, Mike Kafka, I believe, also from the Giants, in on that. They previously interviewed Flores, uh, Aaron Glenn, Hero Evers from Denver. Um, so there's a, a new mix there. So we'll see what ends up happening with that Arizona job. Yeah, I think D'Amico Ryan's uh, interviewed there as well, which is interesting. We, you, all those names that we mentioned that interested there, they, it feels they're not discounting offensive guys, but it feels like they really are interested in getting a defensive mind there, more so than you see a lot of these teams doing. So that would obviously uh, put put Lou maybe, um, I don't want to say front runner, but it would, it would put him a little ahead of Brian. But you know from talking to these guys through the years, they're going to interview well. They're, the both of those guys are going to walk away from these interviews impressing that team. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see which which direction that team eventually goes because you've got Kyler Murray. Uh, maybe that is the way to go. The, the league is pivoting towards all offense. Maybe you want a defensive guy that knows how to shut down all these offenses. Yeah, and and maybe that's their way of taking a little bit of breathing down Kyler Murray's neck off and feeling like Kyler Murray can be the kind of one to run your offense show. I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but he's their guy. I mean, he's going to be there. It's, it, it's Is that a good job, right? I think it's kind of the question mm-hmm. that these guys are going to have to ask themselves. Um, if you think you're going to have more opportunities down the road, um, maybe we've talked about this in regard to Anna Rumo versus Callahan in the past, that you know I think Brian Callahan connected directly um, – with Joe Burrow, you have a, a better chance of hanging around. Not that Luana Rumo wouldn't, but again, we've talked about age. We've talked about type. Uh, how many opportunities are you really going to have um, if if you're Luana Rumo? It would maybe fit him a little bit better in what he could come in there and do. But again, a job's a job. A head coach interview is a head coach interview. Dessert mm-hmm. for them. We'll see what happens. There's the other piece of this hanging out there that's Dan Pitcher, uh, quarterback's coach, who would seem to be offensive coordinator in waiting if Brian Callahan were to get the job in Indianapolis or Arizona. You know, the team re-upped with him uh, as a, hey, you're our guy. We will pay you like an offensive coordinator. We think you should be an offensive coordinator. Um, at some point, there's a belief that Brian Callahan is going to be a head coach, and we want you to be the offensive coordinator here. If Brian Callahan is back this year, Dan Pitcher still pursuing other opportunities to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. And I think there's a there's a recognition of he deserves that shot. He's earned that shot. He's ready for that shot. And I think there's you know Zach Taylor talked about it yesterday. A lot of pieces in place. He's still got opportunities elsewhere. I think everybody's just waiting to see where the dominoes fall. Um, and the Bengals want to protect themselves to not be left without any of it uh, because they feel like they have a lot of very smart, talented minds in the building. You don't want to see too much brain drain. You you don't want to all of a sudden have let everyone go and you're left holding the bag. So the dominoes are in place as these interviews play out um, and and the Bengals trying to see who they end up holding on to, but not feeling like they're limiting the guys they have on their staff that deserve opportunities. Yeah, the interesting thing is, I mean, they've got the succession plan in place with Pitcher and even Troy Walters. You see both of those guys as future coordinators, maybe head coaches in the league. If Lou leaves, I don't know where they go on defense. I don't know that there's an automatic guy that would just ascend from the staff there. So that would probably be an outside hire. That would be that would that would create a bigger ripple if, if Lou were to leave. Yeah, no, there's I think that's true. And would Betcher go with Luana Rumo, you know, we've seen that happen before. Would he go with him and be his essentially his defensive coordinator uh, if he went, um, who, who's kind of his guy? Otherwise, he has D.C. experience. He's here on staff. I mean, I think there's a lot of talented guys on this staff. I mean, all of them, really. Burks, Livingston. Um, so you, you just – but you don't know. You know, you don't – again, we don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole right now. We'll just monitor where these jobs are currently at. Um Let's get into a little bit of the game rehash start before we bring Mo in to have big. There's a couple different elements of it, so we'll probably do some before and some after we talk to Mo here um, in about 10 minutes. Um, game, I, I want to start here. I want to say this before we, before we go too deep into the officials' wormhole. This game was lost by the Bengals. Okay, and and I don't want this to turn into, hey, officiating played a role. Two things can be true. Officiating can be bad, and the team earned an L. 
They both can be true. Would it have been different? Maybe, maybe, but there's calls that go bad in each direction. Did it feel like it swung a little harder towards the Bengals? I know Bengals fans certainly feel that way. And a lot of people maybe feel that way, but there were calls that went bad both ways. Luck that went, it happens. Okay. You know, the Chiefs also were playing dudes who had like 10 career receiver snaps at one point. I mean, it's like mm. bad luck was happening everywhere. Um, and there was a lot of things. But the problem is, you know, this game was lost in the trenches, you know, and that's what I come come back to is the fact that they couldn't block anyone, not just Chris Jones, but the fact that, they, you know, everything that was happening up front. And then on the flip side, their inability to get quick wins and consistent pressure against Mahomes. They were getting pressures, but they were extended play pressures and Mahomes was killing them on extended plays. That's where this game was won and lost. But, you know, as much as people want to get into the the nuances of the officials, and we will, and we need to have real conversations about that, I, I do think we need to start there. To me, that my main takeaway was this was a trench game. The same way last week in Buffalo was a trench game. This was a game where, where they got beat on the line of scrimmage on both sides, and that inevitably is what ends up swinging this thing. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, a lot of the guys talked about, too, in the locker room, they didn't want to get into the officiating. It was clear they were frustrated with it, but they all said the same. You, you, you just you can't put it in their hands. You you have to play better. And I think that's where a lot of fans are coming from is, yeah, maybe if you lose this game by double digits, you can say it's it's more on the Bengals. But when it's a tie game with eight seconds to go, every call that doesn't go your team's way, it's it's going to be cause for uproar and when there's a lot of them that didn't go your team's way I, I see why fans are upset but I the whole NFL rigged hashtag I just I don't I the NFL doesn't have an integrity problem it has a competency problem with these mm-hmm. with the officiating it's just it, you it can't be that bad in these big games and this isn't the first time we've seen it we've seen it in Super Bowls we've seen it in championship games before um maybe they need to take a look at at doing doing away with the all-star crews and letting these, these group uh, these, these referee uh, teams have that cohesion into the postseason. But I I agree with you hundred percent. This is, this is on about the Bengals failures and in the area that mattered most, which offensive line, defensive line. One thing I want to get into a, a little bit later is is a very real conversation about this Bengals offense in playoff games and and something that has stood out to me in looking a little bit deeper at it. And that means maybe it's expanding on something I mentioned in the walkout. I wanted to look a little bit closer at it and feel a little more comfortable before we have this discussion, but I want to have a real conversation about Joe Burrow's playoff profile. And let me just say, it, it's not going to be one of anybody saying, oh, well, Burrow, what what are we doing? You got, we got to be able to have an honest conversation about what's working and what's not working for every single player on this roster, including those that deserve every dime of half a billion dollars, okay? That I think start, like no one is no one is saying this dude isn't hasn't been incredible and in everything this franchise needs, but let's have a real let's have a real conversation about something that's been happening. I want to get to that. let's let's dive into the officials here real quick. To me, there's there's three categories um I think of some things that people are talking about a lot and that did a, that that are part of this. I think there were some that critical screw ups that affected the game okay um there was some that make you question the entire validity of everything, which is really the biggest problem the NFL has um and there's some that happened that maybe were misses but inevitably really didn't affect much. Um, I want to start with the ones that affected the game. Um, I don't know if people know this, but so Bill Vinovich, who has done Super Bowls, he a revered official, is literally standing next to Zach Taylor all game, like he, as a as a someone to help with rules questions. Someone so the referee doesn't have to constantly be coming coming over to talk, you know, and and, and someone who can inform on everything that's going on, be someone that's a part of hearing the conversations that are going on, whatever. To, to, to keep that in line. So keep that in mind. I mean, he's, he's trying to help him through all of everything. And there's, there's just so many questions where there's even, you know, discussions between the Vinovich and Torbert and everybody else about what exactly is, is going on. And, you know, the, that's where the, the third down 
redo thing, to me, it falls into the, this makes you question the whole process. And this is really the core problem the NFL has. When something that egregious and that clearly foobard like happens, it makes the whole, it makes, it makes what's happening now. Every play, they screwed this up and they screwed that up. Look, judgment calls are going to happen. Ref air is going to happen. Huge things like wiping out third downs and you, you know, the guy saying start the play clock and the game clock on my whistle happening and still people running it like that stuff. You know, and the Raiders will take you back to last year's wildcard game, I'm sure. Inadvertent whistles. Like that stuff is the stuff that ends up being huge mistakes that question the validity of the whole process that, that becomes a big part of the problem in the, in the big picture. I mean, go back to what started that whole thing. They spotted the ball wrong after an incomplete pass. I mean, is there an easier play to spot the ball than an incomplete pass? It goes right back. You've, you've, you literally have a marker on the field where the play started. You just go right back to that spot and they, they spotted it wrong. That's why they stopped it. And, and then, Torbert gave the incorrect direction to start both clocks on his signal. I just, I, the other, the big, the other question I have with that is, okay, they, they run the play, the Bengals are getting off the field and they say it was shut down. First of all, nobody, I don't think there was a whistle. Yes. You see the referee come running in, but nobody stopped. Every single player ran that play as if it was live. Um, so what, what is more damaging to the integrity of what you're trying to do replaying a down that could have a major impact in the game or just taking the six seconds off that or adding the six seconds back on when the clock should not have run after that play. I don't know if there's a, a mechanism in place where they could do that, but that would seem to be, you're talking about 10 some minutes left in a game. What's the big deal of adding six seconds after a play versus we're just going to redo a huge third down stop over it. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Why are these crews being no, – no one – like people know who the best crews are during the season. Mm-hmm. No one was under assumption that somebody like Ron Torbett, Torbett should be doing this game, much less these all-star crews, which you mentioned. And we, we've talked about this from the very beginning. It makes no sense. You don't have teams that have worked together all season working together into the playoffs. Why they do this is beyond me. Conversations about Sky Judge that would help you with things like – Look, the clipping against Bocce on the punt return at the end of the game is a egregious game changer that was missed. People are showing, if, you, if you're not watching the back view, people think it's the second time he got blocked in the back is what they're talking about. It's the first one. <laughs> he gets clipped in the back way before the returner is even coming in his direction and then takes another one in the back a second time. Um, that is, I think a lot of people are looking at even the wrong one. I mean, it's 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 overtime at that point. I mean, we, we we that's those are the ones that change the game. And then here's the problem: the third down catch by Valdez Scantling, who we talked about after the game, where forward progress is. This is not the goal line. You know, this is this is uh, uh, the middle of the field. You can't reach out and come back in and get that forward progress. That's not how it works. And for them to mess up that rule and not have that correct, that would have forced a fourth down, a fourth and one. By the way, the Chiefs have struggled quite a bit in short yardage this year. And instead, that drive ends in a touchdown. 
I mean, those are the, like to me, I go to those two affect the game in a big way. Things that should easily be fixable. Um, and there's other ones that you can throw in there where you are questioning the process, the, the Samaje first down at the end of the first half. You, know, you have a timeout there and no review is done. There was no review. New York, there was no review of the spot, which clearly looked like he was there. And for them not even to do that, and then whatever happens with them calling a timeout right after that can be debated on Zach Taylor's. But to not even review it, you know, there's a ground, the grounding call. You know, it's it seems to suggest that that came in from New York. Like, there, you want New, like New York being involved. I, I feel like they're trying to like avoid the major screw ups here. The lack of transparency that ends up coming from it when, oh, New York buzzed in. I mean, how are you not like just wondering, is that Troy Vincent buzzing in? Like, is that who who's buzzing in? It's just, it's hard when you have a lack of transparency. This is why people get mad. The, the lack of transparency in pool reports, the inability to ask any other real questions to any of these officials consistently, lack of accountability and the lack of transparency of what's going on. Oh, did New York buzz in? Hell, who knows? Did they review it? Who knows? No one knows what's going on. And that that's a big part of it. Yeah, and how does New York not buzz in? Because well, the forward progress play you were talking about, that did go to replay. The Chiefs challenged that. He was originally marked down short. And then that goes to replay. So while they're replaying that, how do they not say realize that they made a mistake on the ruling where hey he can't do that the reach doesn't matter you can see if it's called in in the heat of it where they they don't realize that that's the rule where you can't reach out like that and then the the grounding i still don't know that i mean you see that a lot it where I, i'm not saying new york didn't buzz in but you see that a lot where they get together and like where'd you see here what'd you see here and then the flag comes late when they decide yeah. yes it was grounding i still don't know i can't tell from the video it almost look like when he spiked the ball, he hit one of his linemen. And if he hits his linemen, it's the same thing. It's illegal touching. Um, so it's it's basically the same thing as intentional grounding. But it, it is. You all these things, like not not one of them cost the Bengals the game, but when you start adding them all up, you you get the frustration from the fan base. And it's not just Bengal fans, by the way. There are national sure. people out there saying this was egregious. Yeah. And I and I would point out you're not actually supposed to be able to review forward progress i don't know if people remember that mm -hmm. but like it, it's so are we talking about forward progress are we talking about there's just there's just there's just so much murkiness and lack of transparency a few others i'm going to bring mo in here in a second i just want to go through a few others that i don't think that you know that weren't that you've probably been talking about but how much they affected the game you know the mike hilton pi was bad but i you know bad pi calls like that stuff happens okay you can't get everything exactly right they end up it was second and two they end up punting anyway the mix and hit out of bounds clearly when you see what happened with mahomes happened mix you're like how can that possibly happen i get it they score a touchdown on the next play uh the fourth quarter the frank clark late hit yeah should have been called missed it you know should have been a free 15 that that dry they get a first down anyway the higgin higgins interception ends up happening there anyway does it affect the game no did they miss it yes the crew was bad the officiating was bad there were bad calls in both directions it appears most went the against the Bengals. i understand the frustration in that big spot it's deserved but the bottom line is they still had more than enough opportunities to overcome that now you're going to say they shouldn't have to overcome officials paul <laughs> i agree the league needs to have real discussions about what the hell is going on with these crews in these games no question they've needed to have that discussion and a better one for years by the way all right not the level of intensity has gone up. Let's bring in Mo Egger, our good friend from ESPN 1530. Mo, how are we doing? I'm good, guys. What's up? How many? Uh, how long of your car ride home <laughs> was used having extended versions of the conversation you were just listening to us have? Well, you know, what's interesting. Uh, you you guys saw me on Saturday night. The, the guy who, who drove us is a high school football official. And mm. so uh, his name is Mike Leeson, uh, works with me at iHeart. And so watching the game with him in real time, he's a real stickler. Like, so for instance, the whole fifth down thing, right? He, he pointed that out in real time. He's like, no, it's an incomplete pass. The, the clock isn't supposed to start at the, at the referee's signal. 
it's supposed to start when the ball is snapped. Um, I, I, I would imagine there are times where maybe watching games with, with that next to you is, is maybe not what you want, but boy, for a game like that, it certainly was. And so, um, I had the benefit of, of kind of his perspective, but sure it was impossible. If you're a Bengals fan and look, I'm not blame the ref guy. If, if your only takeaway from that game is the ref screwed us and the NFL is rigged, we're not going to have a conversation. I, I, you lose me. Yeah. But if you want to go through some of the inconsistencies or some of the individual calls or some of the, the large scale issues that the league has that you guys were just talking about when it comes to officiating, I'm here. I don't know how you could talk about that game less than 24 hours after it wrapped and not go through some of the, the calls that affected both sides negatively. Mm. Uh, and and unfortunately for the National Football League, that is a part of the story. I, I think what happens here, you guys were talking about lack of transparency. There's that. But that moment at the 10 and a half minute mark where uh, after an incomplete pass, the white hat says, start the clock and the play clock on my signal. From that point forward, after that was done, the crew administered what was supposed to happen next correctly. The play was supposed to be whistled dead. The back judge comes running in. I saw it with my own two, not, mm. two eyes because Mike pointed it out to me. Um, from that point forward, it was administered correctly. But immediately, you have the appearance of these guys don't know what they're doing. Yep. They're making mm. it up as they go along. And then when there's subsequent questionable calls, it really changes the conversation. I think we all understand that in a sport like this, there's there's going to be subjectivity and sometimes a decision made based on subjectivity is not going to go your team's way. You guys were just talking about missed pass interference, stuff like that. But when you take those things and you add it to the appearance of the crew being inept and not being able to properly administer the game, then I think there's some real issues that fans have. And then you add to it the, the lack of transparency. I've I've wanted to for years have a baseball crew chief, the top official in a basketball crew, the referee in an NFL crew, sit down like every coach does, sit down like players do, and answer questions. Yes. I know that's never going to happen. I know it's not. I know there are occasions where a pool reporter will get a chance to talk to an official. Um, I think especially in high-stakes games like that one, it's it, – it, you're – I think that has to be the next step here. The, the the lack of transparency has to be pulled away. And the best way to do that is to have someone, if you want smarter fans, more educated fans, if you don't want officiating, Sunday was the second biggest day on the NFL calendar. And the day after driving back eight hours, every national radio show I listen to, every national podcast I've listened to, not to mention everything here in town, they spent time and a significant amount of it on officiating the day after your second biggest day. That's the second time now in five years that the day after conference championship Sunday, we've been talking about officiating. How is that good for the national football league? How is that good for the product? And how can you expect, expect fans to not go to some of the weird places to go when they talk about officiating and the national football league? 54 million people. Watch that game. Yeah. Uh, uh, bet highest mm -hmm. in four years, up 11%. 54 million people watch the NFL take a black eye. You know, great product. Yeah. You end up talking about the officials. That's something they've got to address. And again, it's like, how many, I mean, we go, I, I go to the owners' meetings or we pay attention to the owners' meetings if I'm not there. Jay and I are there every year. And every year we have a conversation about officiating and Sky Judge and why the NFL is so resistant to trying to help these guys on the field. This is hard. It is so hard to get this right, to not use your real-time technology to try to help you out, to make it so you, you don't miss as much of this. And again, and and if you need to mic up the sky judge for transparency issues, then go ahead and freaking do it, whatever. But you got to find ways, the NFL needs to find ways to make this cleaner so that we can have this, so they can have this not be the conversation after big games and, and teams not feel like they really have to worry about the on Monday. The biggest news that happens all week is who's the officiating crew. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, yeah. I mean, 
what we're talking about now, what we're going to talk about in a little bit are married because this we're talking about legalized sports betting. And it's not just the team that loses who's going to have the fan base up and over. If you if officiating is deciding games and you're a league that's embracing gambling and now all of a sudden people that have a lot more invested than just a rooting interest in these games, I, I do think they there needs to be a further push to 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 make these guys accountable, to to make some of the, these decisions explained um beyond the 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 very strict and and not that helpful pool report let me let me sit let me move it on here mo before we get <laughs> to the bad place i, I want to ask you this um I, I like i have i like pies i have feelings about pies i want to do a pie of your feelings uh yeah. give me your give me your uh, let's have let's break this pie into three parts percentage wise uh, your feelings about the success of the Bengals season. Okay. How much, what percentage is a feeling of, you know, what an appreciation of the accomplishment, how much of a, a percentage of man, what a missed opportunity and how much is a, this team, I think just got screwed this year. Um, I, I think part of the pie has to include how I feel about the future. Okay. Um, I think in your piece after the game, you said blindingly bright, mm-hmm. uh, which I would agree with, but the future is uncertain. It, it, it's weird. I, I thought about this a lot last night. I don't know how I feel, <laughs> right? I mean, like, so if I could divide it up, let me sort through this in real time. <laughs> if you would have said to me three years ago, the Bengals will have played in two AFC championship games. Both came down to the final play. They went to a Super Bowl. They came down to a final play. Who among us would have said no? Right. There, there's no one. No we, we all would have said, sign me up. After 2-14, and 14, after years of not making the postseason, after years of entering the postseason and not really loving their championship chances, you're putting the Bengals in these two high-profile, high-stakes games. Uh they win a conference championship. They're this close to winning another, and they're this close to hoisting a Lombardi. You have to appreciate that. Um, the whole success failure thing is too black and white for me. I can't call it a failure. They had the best record in the history of the franchise tied obviously with other teams. They won 10 consecutive games. Um, they won two playoff games. The, the number of Bengals postseason wins for 30 years was zero. They went two playoff games, and I'm going to call a season that includes those games uh, a failure. No. Was it an unmitigated smashing success? Eh, can't say that either. So, yeah, there's let's go. Let's go 33%. There's a sense of accomplishment and pride. I'll go that. The they got screwed thing that chunk isn't quite as big. Mm-hmm. There's they had the football with two and a half minutes to go. And all they needed was three. Uh, and we said this, the, the people that I was with, Hey, if you would have said to me this morning at breakfast, two and a half minutes to go, Joe Burrow gets the football game is tied. You've got timeouts in the two minute warning and Evan McPherson's healthy. How do you feel? I would have said, sign me up. Give me that, especially after falling behind by 10 points, especially after falling behind and, and Joe Burrow throwing an interception and it feeling like the game was going to start to really unravel. Um, did Were there things that went against him? No question, including after the Bengals had their last possession because we could talk about the block in the back on the punt. But they, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow had the football in his hands with time and timeouts. That to me is what I'm going to remember more than anything about the actual game itself. So... The, 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 they, they got screwed thing. Is it there? <laughs> sure. It's not quite as hefty a piece. I'll go 17%. The other 50% is lamenting a missed opportunity. This team was great this year. This might be the best team the Bengals have ever had. I think they were better than last year's team. They had a 10 game winning streak. They overcame DJ readers loss. Chidobe Awuzie's lost. They had Joe Mixon out for a couple of games. Jamar chase missed four. They had injuries on the offensive line. At the end of the year, they still won 10 consecutive games. They had arguably their most dominant postseason performance ever. I know they've won postseason games by larger margins, 41, 14, 27, seven. 
Uh, the Buffalo Bills game we talked about being the greatest performance in franchise history. Um, they have Joe Burrow under a rookie contract, a terrific roster with very few holes. They didn't even get back to the Super Bowl. So what I said on my show yesterday was if three or four years from now, we're looking back on this run that included a parade or two and uh, a Chiefs-esque streak of AFC championship game appearances, I will look back on um, what happened on Sunday as just one of those iconic games in that mix and you can't win them all. But if three or four years from now, uh, we're still searching and hoping for a Bengals championship or God help us simply hoping they get back to an AFC championship game for the first time since 2022. Then I think a lot of us are going to look back at, at what happened on Sunday night with an insane amount of wistfulness. And I, I, I believe this team is going to play in the AFC championship game very, very soon. And nobody would be surprised if they were back next year. They have Joe Burrow. He is just now entering his prime. I still think he's ascending. Um, they've done a very good job of building a team around him. And even with all of their offseason questions uh, regarding who's going to be re-signed, who's going to be extended, who may be let go, I think the expectation is the roster is still going to be comparable to this year's in terms of quality and depth. But it's really, really hard to get just to where the Bengals were. Think of everything that had to go their way this year. Think of everything they had to accomplish just to be in that moment, two and a half minutes to go, balls in Joe Burrow's hands. It's it's hard to not think about missed opportunity. It's hard to not wonder, God, might that be these last two years as close as they come for a while to winning a championship? I know there's a lot of people who don't want to hear that. I also can't help but think as just as an aside. So I'll say 50% mm -hmm. just as an aside. We often talk about in a game, got to get off to a fast start this year. The, the fast start to a season, we sort of poo pooed it, right? Oh, they'll take the off season off. They'll flip a switch. They'll be okay. By October, they're going to use September to that's going to be their preseason. Okay. Well, what if they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys? and that game's at Paycor Stadium. You want to win your conference. The easiest way to do it is to play one less playoff game and play all your postseason contests at home. So I wonder if that should recalibrate the conversation about how they start the season. Because, yes, it's great. They, they overcame 0-2, and you can overcome 0-2 and have a great year. The Bengals prove that. You can overcome 0-2 and win your division. The Bengals prove that. You can overcome 0-2 and play in the AFC champion AFC championship game. What you probably can't do is go 0 and 2 and be the one seed. The Cincinnati Bengals haven't been the one seed since 1988. And the one seed carries with it at least until they add a playoff team, a clear benefit that nobody else gets to enjoy. Who's in the Super Bowl this year? The two ones who never had to play a road game. Patrick Mahomes has yet to play a playoff road game. I wonder if that recalibrates the conversation about their readiness to start the season, because if the idea is to go to the Super Bowl, the best way to do that is to play one fewer home game and uh, and play all your 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 playoff games at home. That's that's really not part of the pie. By the way, I, I could go for pie right now. Yeah. But I keep but I'll be honest with you. I thought about that a lot yesterday. Mm -hmm. What if they would have been the one they could have been the one? Had they taken the start of the season seriously? Now, yes, Joe Burrow had an appendectomy and Lyle Collins got hurt. But, you know, we talked about it. We did a lot, guys. Does it feel like it's a little bit too casual? Does it feel like they just think they can flip the switch? Well, they didn't. And it cost them because they had to play that game in Kansas City. We talked about it after the opener. I mean, are we gonna be how much are we going to be talking about a missed PAT? and a missed 29-yard field goal or maybe a long snapper injury or a shovel pass or you know these things these small mistakes that happened early on that cost them games as they scuffled out of the gates in in meaning something not that it would derail who they were or their ability to be playing well but their their best path to the playoffs which ended up being such a big deal you're exactly right mo there's no question about that all right let's just take a quick break 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, the other thing about this, I I think, is it, it takes me back to a conversation. I bet if we replayed last year after the Super Bowl, what we all said here, it, it, I remember having this, and I, it's relevant again. It's what what is fandom to you, right? It's like what what is it? What is it? Is it about man until they get a champ? It's it's a championship. It's what it's what ruined those five years where the Bengals went to the playoffs every year. It ruined the enjoyment of the regular season when you knew the playoff loss was coming. You, you know, making the AFC Championship in back-to-back years shouldn't be something that leaves anyone regretful. Now, when you're so close and you know how good it is, how, how possible it is, and you don't win a game, I, I like. I think that's real, and I understand that feeling of, of that moment. But... I think it's got to be the the joy that a team brings you. The problem is, the problem is, when it's 50, however many years, and you don't have one, right? And you don't have one, it just makes it so much harder. It's the one box. And and it makes it, it makes it that much harder. It doesn't take away the joy that the city felt or that being a fan of the Bengals was mm-hmm. after the Hubbard yard dash or beating the chiefs in week 13 or the Buffalo snow or, or any of the things that happened along the way this year. Um, and I think that's, what's important. I think keeping yourself relevant year to year is mm-hmm. exponentially important than even winning a Super Bowl, And maybe people will take shots at me for saying that, but I think the joy that it brings to a community when you're really, really relevant every year um, to me is, is something I would hold in higher priority because eventually you will win one if you, if you do that, in my opinion, because as we learned this weekend, these games can fall any friggin' way once you reach that level. And I think that to me stands out more than anything of, of I hope how people that consume the sport and consume the team view it. I hate the phrase Super Bowl or bust. Like it's so mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, and I hope that's how people view it. And maybe some don't. And maybe that's that's that. And everybody can can root and feel however they want to. But I think that's an important perspective to repeat when you talk about the last two years and what they have been here. Even though they don't have a Lombardi, what they have done for the city. Um, and the fan base, I think, has been worth its weight in gold. I mean, it might be like, uh, well, remember when Zach got here and things were really bad and, and he kept talking about one day we're going to look back on this when we get this thing turned around and it's going to make us appreciate it even more. Maybe this is just another version of that where th- obviously things aren't bad right now. They're going great outside those those final losses at the end of the year. But, you know, if they go to the Super Bowl next year and win it, I what they went through these two years of getting so close, maybe it does make them appreciate it even more. Um, it, it, you know, it's 
fandom is like love, right? You, you love your wife, you love your kids. It just because every now and then they disappoint you doesn't, doesn't diminish the overall appreciation of, of what you have. And I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that, that that fans can, can have a day or two, maybe a week to, to, to process this and, and feel a little upset and disappointed that, that it didn't end the way they wanted to. But, um, Mo put it perfect. You, it's not black success and failure is not black and white. Yeah. It, it's, it's all comes together. And I don't, I don't, I don't think any fans are going to be leaving this team um, because it's been 50 years. They still haven't won a championship. They got as close as they've been in forever. Still couldn't get it done. I think people are going to ride this out. I, yeah. I think that's also what's made it so hard. Um, a Kansas city radio station called me yesterday. I was, was thrilled to go on with them. <laughs> and, and we were talking about, you know, the sense that the Bengals got screwed. And I said, I, I think part of that is at least in a small way, fueled by the fact that people love this team. Like, mm. yes, people love the Bengals, but this particular team, the bond that I think a lot of folks had with this group of guys, like I, I think it, it's made it, harder for folks to aim their disappointment at the players. And so they want to aim it somewhere else. I also think there's a genuine sense of you feel bad for yourself as a fan. I think there's a lot of fans who just feel bad for these guys. They really, Mm. really like this team. And, but look, relevance is extremely underrated. Um, I think there's a genuine possibility that we down the road, look back at this chunk of years. And boy, in that chunk of years, they didn't win it every single year, but they got one. And then, so it's a little bit easier to take, right? Like I wasn't alive for the big red machine, but folks talk about 70 to 76. Well, they didn't win it in 70. They didn't win it in 72 <laughs> and get to the world series in 73, 71 and 74. They didn't even make the playoffs, um, but they won it in 75 and 76. And so I think maybe with decades of hindsight, maybe those, those years where they fell a little bit short they're looked on with a little bit more fondness because the payoff ultimately was provided. That is maybe not a great apples to apples comparison, but I think, I think it's going to take some time for a lot of folks to really sort of put this season in its proper context. But yeah, I mean, look, I appreciate what nothing about this season. I, I haven't changed how I felt about the season that just unfolded at all since Sunday night. Uh, Sam Hubbard's uh, molar. What, what do we determine what we're calling that? Finally, we, we went Hubbard yard dash. The NFL Hubbard yard dash. The, the Can- Canton, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, had a Hubbard yeah. yard dash, and I know people were sort of more on a greater scale going with fumble in the jungle. So I don't know where yeah. we're landing. We've landed. I don't here. know Sam Hubbard's playoff touchdown. How's that? <laughs> always going to remember that. We'll always remember how I felt, how it unfolded in front of me. We'll always remember the, the, the 10 straight wins, how they rebounded after losing on Halloween. Uh, the, 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 the collective love and humanity that folks showed in the, in the wake of Damar Hamlin suffering the medical emergency, all this really awesome stuff, all this really heartwarming stuff. I can separate that from the feeling walking out of Arrowhead Stadium when I couldn't feel my fingers or my toes uh, and just the sense of, God, it, it took a lot just to get there. It's, it's, it's going back to the bottom of the mountain and let's climb it again and then hopefully we get even higher. It's, I think the two, the two feelings are kind of mutually exclusive and that latter one is going to be amplified if we get to a point where we're talking about windows closing and we're not even close to there yet talking about windows closing and changing of eras. And you go, God, you know what? That stretch was fun. And there were all these cool things that happened, but you didn't get the ultimate payoff. And in LA in 2021 and in Kansas city in 2022, those represented the best chances. And they came this close. They came this close and couldn't get it done. Um, I think, you know, the, the overwhelming reminder is really that in, you're at your point. This is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard to win a Super Bowl. I mean, the yeah. great names out there that have won, right? You breathe, yeah. I mean, the, the, and they have the one. I mean, it took Peyton Manning forever. The great, right? I mean, it's like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. I mean, these guys, it's like, it's just so hard to, you know, I, to win one. Patrick Mahomes kind of talked about that on Sunday night mm-hmm. when he said, you know, my, 
my, my first year MVP. And then, you know, we win the Super Bowl, and I'm thinking like, mm. and he's like, then we, we lost one. And it's like, man, it was really hard to get there. Yeah. And that's for my guys, you know, now been to three. I, I hope people realize how hard it is to get to the point the Bengals were at. And it's very easy to see, say, well, their future is bright. They're going to be okay. And maybe they will be. And, and the Bengals are going to be in the mix next year, but they've been in the mix each of the last two years. And, for whatever reason, didn't get it done. And that's, I, I, I'd be lying if I said to me that that wasn't at least a little bit frustrating. Well, it, more importantly, let's talk about uh, how strong I've been with fictional money bets this year. <laughs> I think far more important than any of that. Jay, where do we, where do we, where do we stand uh, uh, on this? Well, we have a new order. Um, <laughs> Paul, Paul is still in the lead at 221.7 units, mm. but I have edged mm. ahead of Mo wow. at 197.6. Oh man, Mo at 195.4. But this is not the finish line. I don't, I don't believe we're we're making any fictional wagers this week because there's no game this weekend. Pro Bowl but, games, the Pro Bowl, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the punt, pass, and kick. Uh, what, yeah, we, I've been breaking down dodgeball skills. Yeah, so sure. I can assure you, you I'll find something to bet on on Sunday. Don't. <laughs> well, don't well worry. Here, here's the thing: our, we we are not done because there are still Awards. two pending wagers out there. Okay, our Super Bowl is Giants versus Jaguars because Paul <laughs> has Doug Peterson at Coach of the Year, mm. a future wager, and Mo has Brian Dable as coach of the year. Mm. So if, if, if Brian Dayball wins coach of the year, Mo wins this competition. Wow. At the wire. Whoa. Wow. I actually don't think he should win, but now I hope he does. <laughs> uh, so that, well, no, I assumed we were going to do Super Bowl. I mean, there's not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, can do Super Bowl. I, I assumed this was going to end with the Super Bowl. That's kind okay. of how I figured this, this would go. So what did you win this week, by the way, Jay, to put yourself over the top? I had Bengals Chiefs under 47.5. Okay, let's um, put you up. Make it so, yep. Yeah. Okay. And everybody awesome. else lost. All right, so we will we will monitor those awards, and then next week we'll come back. Well, wait a minute. I was told we're going to do a Super Bowl wa uh, wager, but on my ride home, I was looking at Twitter, and I've seen a lot of folks who say they're not going to watch the Super Bowl. No. <laughs> so how yeah. much sense does it make to even talk about it since so many people aren't going to watch? By the way, thank you for having me on and not asking me about the mayor. I appreciate that. Well, I figured we'd get into that uh, today from three to four oh, on ESPN 1530. Yes. It's going to yeah. come up. Hashtag not my mayor. <laughs> I, I figured we discussed him enough on Saturday when that, we were. That, we that's were. very fair. <laughs> All right, Mo, appreciate it. See you this afternoon. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, let's move on. Let's talk. There's So there's a, a conversation that comes from another reason why the Bengals lost this game. In, in, in the run-up, uh, to the game, you heard me uh, re-emphasize something we've talked about all year, and that has been high leverage burrow. The, the, the bigger the moment that changes games, that wins games, specifically third, fourth downs in the red zone, these plays, these money plays, where you it's, it's where games are won. He was better than anyone and has been all year. He had 0 0.82 EPA, uh, distant first. Mahomes was like 0 0.36. I mean, it, he was just an absolute killer. Ten touchdowns, no interceptions. No zero off-target passes. I mean, no sacks. It, all, it was unbelievable. And you thought that's why they could win this game. Now, Mahomes was, you know, I mean, Incredible. He's third on that list. He makes a million plays in those spots too. But Bro particularly good. And in games that come down to that, you usually come to those money plays, you think you love your chances. Well, in this game, they're only end up being one. They only end up being the Hurst ball, the incompletion, which Burrow put right on the money. And I think you'd like to have seen Hayden Hurst find a way to come down with that. But a very low probability throw. Tough one, but still. Patrick Mahomes in those spots in this game, three for three, two touchdowns. Had a sack. The Kelsey fourth and one touchdown. Talk about high leverage. Mm. Seven point pass. And the the MVS third and 10 from the 19 touchdown. Um, an incredible play. There's your game. High leverage moments. Money downs over the course of this game. 
third and fourth downs in the red zone. Uh, Mahomes was sacked once by Cam Sample, but those two touchdowns and the fact that the Bengals only had one and they weren't able to convert it um, end up making such a huge difference in this game. We can talk about everything we want to. When you have the money downs, you got to find ways to make plays. And one quarterback, one team, I should say, did, and the other team didn't. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it after the the game and the walkout. Just both of those those two field goal drives in the first half, where you're you are so good in the red zone, and the Chiefs are number thirty one in the red zone, and not to get a touchdown in either one of those, and even the Hurst throw was right there. Um, a good job by Justin Reed to kind of get his hand in there, but it, it seemed like that was you mentioned it that a low probability completion probability and it looked like that was the number one read all along so just a little surprise that that was the direction they wanted to go on that throw but um it it when you when i'm with mo when when burrow got the ball with 230 left and they had those timeouts i you it was just an assumption that they were going to go down and score and take the lead and then it's just a matter how much time do you leave patrick mahomes um and then that confidence or those expectations grew even more when they they can they convert the third and 16 to Hayden Hurst. It's like now they've really got it. And it just it didn't happen after that. I think an underrated part of this, um, how valuable would Tyler Boyd have been sure. on that final drive? Sure. Not having him um, that that really his injury, I think, gets lost a little bit um, in the importance and in the way this game ended up. Yeah. Um, so let's have a conversation about this, Jay. So again, I'm going to preface this with everything that I said at the beginning of the <laughs> show, because I feel like, you know, this is like something that someone's going to take and clip off. And, and, you know, this is going to be like when Mo makes fun of me claiming that I said the Bengals should trade Joe Burrow. Um, uh, <laughs> no one is saying that Joe Burrow should not be the highest paid player in the history of this game. They should give him all the money he deserves. He's changed the franchise. He's incredible. He's going to win a championship, probably multiple. He has been a clutch player his entire life. Um, he has he has that in him. He has a fearlessness and a DNA that is impossible to recreate. Joe Burrow has been nothing short of incredible and generational for the Bengals franchise, period. There's a story written about what I just say. I hope that someone includes that in the lead. <laughs> now, <laughs> let's talk about what has happened with this Bengals offense in the fourth quarter of playoff games. They've all been close, okay? I mean, the Bengals haven't played a playoff game uh, that hasn't been close. And they've all turned in the same way, the ones that they have won, right? The defense has made the plays mm -hmm. to set it up. And Burrow has made plays, obviously, as part of that, um, whether you're talking about driving the distance they needed to go in Kansas City last year yeah i mean it, certainly the, you know the bench route in tennessee after the interception I mean, there's been plenty of plays um that joe burrow has made in the fourth quarter of these games but let's just talk about this fourth quarter playoff games uh the last two years there are 11 quarterbacks with at least 20 attempts okay in the combined games of those 11 Joe Burrow has an adjusted net yards per attempt of 2.89, which is ninth of 11. EPA per dropback of negative 0.09, which is ninth of 11. Touchdown to interception ratio, zero touchdown passes, two interceptions. Passer rating of 64.7. Okay. Joe Burrow, with the understandable reputation for being incredible in big moments and and has done it over and over again, particularly in the regular season and during in big games. I mean, he, but if we're just talking about what it actually has been in these playoff games in the fourth quarter of all these games that have been close, the Bengals have repeatedly gotten the ball and not been able to score. Okay, let's go beyond just talking about plays because they have scored. Um, they've had running touchdowns. Um, so let's go teams. There's eight teams the last two years in the playoffs. Eight teams with at least five fourth quarter playoff drives when the score is within two touchdowns. So close playoff game, fourth quarter, last two years. There's eight teams that have at least five drives. Uh, the Bengals have 15. 
Uh, obviously, they've played in more playoff games than anybody the last couple of years. Um, 1.47 points per drive. That is dead last. Mm-hmm. The Rams are seventh at 2.09. They're a full half a point per drive below the next worst. Their touchdown percentage, 6.7. Last, Dallas, next worse at 16.7. Score percentage, 40%. Puts them sixth. Again, a couple of them ended in game-winning field goals. So, I mean, take that into account here. That's part of this. Did enough to get position, weren't trying to score. So that hurts you a little bit. But still, we're talking about 15 drives. Um. On the other hand, the defense in that span, points per drive, 1.19, second amongst that group. Score percentage, their fourth. Touchdown percentage, 16.3%. Second, only the Bucks, who didn't allow a touchdown on six touchdowns, uh, were better. The defense in the fourth quarter has been rising up, winning them game, and saving this offense. We talked about it a little bit last year, and we've seen it again this year, and we saw it in the Super Bowl, and then we saw it again here. The offense with opportunities to go win the game, the biggest moment, hasn't been able to do it. And that's just the facts of what the Bengals' playoff profile has been, of what their offensive profile has been, and what Joe Burrow's profile has been in these games. And that's something that we'll gloss over because no one ever wants to say anything negative about Burrow because of the good is so vast and in franchise changing and that's understandable and i'm not saying this is necessarily going to be a trend but those are the facts is that this has kind of been their playoff profile offensively yeah i mean it's a great point because everybody you look back to that championship game last year and it was about the comeback and and burrow leading leading that and if you think about it they we talked about this on the pod leading up. He had two turnover worthy plays in the playoffs last year, and they were both in that Kansas city game. And the defense comes up with a huge stop early in that fourth quarter. And Burrow turns around and throws an interception on the very first play of the next drive. That was one of those two turnover worthy plays. I mean, you look, you talked about, what was it? 6.7% touchdown percentage. Yeah. In fourth quarter, it took a fourth and six 35 yard Pass yeah. to, to Jamar Chase to even enable that to be one touchdown, um, and they that then they score two plays later. Um, once they're down inside the ten, um, the defense, I, what, I, I believe it's what three field goals and one touchdown that they've scored in the fourth quarter of these playoff games the last two years, mm-hmm. and the the touchdown against Tennessee was set up by a, a improbable interception by the defense. Um, it, I don't know. It, it, it's weird because it, it it totally flipped. We you know we did the Morrison minutes stat earlier. Sure, yes, it's regular season, but how slow they started, and we talked about how it takes a while for Joe Burrow to figure out, and then once you, once he does figure out figure you out, you're done. And then all of a sudden they turn into this fast starting juggernaut, and it goes the complete other way. Where in the highest leverage spots in the fourth quarter at the end of game, even when things are going well, the offense all of a sudden starts to struggle and it's I'm with you. Nobody's saying that, that this is a problem and, and that Joe Burrow, yes, he should be here for the long haul. He's going to get the big pay payment. Um, but it, it's just, it's, it's weird. I mean, what is going on? Why did it go all of a sudden from slow starting to these race car finishes to now where they just struggle in the highest leverage spots in games in big games well and i think i mean there's like the obvious caveat of well he hasn't played it with a decent line yet i mean yeah and teams are taking advantage in those spots but still it's not like they haven't been able to score in these games you know throughout i mean earlier or or also or when he's had bad lines i mean it's not like they haven't been able to find ways and move the ball down the field and and find offense i think you know it goes back to this isn't a burrow conversation even specifically i mean this is an offensive look in the mirror okay what's happening here what's happening uh late in these games is play calling changing are they leaning too heavily on the pass in those situations are they abandoning the run are they uh, doing too many deep drops and getting impatient and not 
finding quick game or is it just not understanding how much their line is getting their butt kicked late in these games because because they're so bad and they're worn down and teams have them figured out whatever that is i think there's a real analysis that needs that they need to do there and maybe that analysis uh keep our line healthy maybe that's what it is (laughs) um as part of it but it's just worth pointing out that you know the bengals profile has been the inability to finish and it's cost them you know, potentially two championships. <laughs> five straight. We talked about the five straight drives that concluded the Rams game without points. Mm-hmm. And and so many of those, they could have just gone and won and, and they could have taken control of this game as well. As Mo said, it's hard to not end up with, you can only hope to have yourself where your season is. You have Joe Burrow with 2.30 left, timeouts, and just needing a field goal to send yourself to a Super Bowl. You can't draw up a better scenario than that. And but at that point your offense and Burrow need to come through for you and 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 they didn't here and that's something you got to kind of look back on and analyze just like you would analyze everything else. All right Jay, that's going to wrap us up. We got to we got to wrap wrap our part 1 up here. We were just there's a, there's just so much to get to. There's so much to get to off-season talk. Cap casualties, Burrow extension, uh, potential trades, reminding everybody the setup, who's going to be back, who's not. We'll get into that in part two as we uh, we break down everything tomorrow. That and plus all your all your segments that you're waiting on, we'll have all that there for you too. So plenty to get to in part two tomorrow. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time.